This is episode number 49 of Unfolding Words, Friendship with God, Tips on Cultivating and Sustaining It. My name is Antracia Moorings, and welcome to my weekly podcast aimed at sharing biblical truth to offer light for your walk and life for your soul. For those of you who are new, welcome. And for those of you who are tuning in again this week, welcome back. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about what it means to have a friendship with God. And many of these podcast topics come from thoughts that the Lord has been dealing with in my life or just thoughts that have dropped in my heart. And so last week I was thinking about how can I better cultivate my friendship with God and really what is the state of my friendship with God? It can be easy to think of God as Father or Lord or as our King or as our Savior, but God is much more interested in being friends with us. And I have to admit, it is a concept that I sometimes struggle with seeing Jesus as a friend rather than a Lord. So I want to talk about today how to better cultivate and sustain a friendship with God. The first scripture I want to look at is Psalms 25, verse 14, and I'm going to read out of the ESV. And it says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. Now, another version of the scripture out of the NASB reads, the secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant. And I like the translation of both of those verses because they give so much insight. The word secret comes from a root word that means confidential conversation, speech, or talk. And it emphasizes a confidentiality in contrast to a more general talk or general advice or counsel. This word, which is formed from the word sod, can refer to the close friendship which exists between people or the intimate knowledge that friendship brings, especially their secrets. And the Hebrew word sod is derived from a very interesting word. It's from the Hebrew word, which primarily means couch and the confidential talk of those sitting on a couch. So friendship with God is about an exchange of conversation and an intimacy. So scripturally, friendship with God is grounded in intimacy and not in acquaintanceship. So if when we say that we know God, it's not because we know of him. It's because we know him personally. And it's a, there is a difference. So if someone says they know some famous person, they can know about that person because they've read about them online. They've read stories about them. They've seen interviews of them. But for them to really say that they know them intimately, they would have to know that person personally, have sat down with them, had a conversation and an exchange with them in order for them to be called a friend, they would have to know sort of the inside scoop of that person's life. So when we say that we have a friendship with God, what we're saying is not that we just know God, we know who he is, but that we know who he is personally because we spent time with him. Missionary Jim Elliott said this, not what another knows of me measures his friendship, but what he has shared with me. So it's not what you know about a person, but it's what someone has shared with you. So when you share with someone, you get to know them on a more personal level. And so this is what we're talking about when it comes to friendship with God. To be God's friend is more than just knowing about him. Friends enjoy each other's company. Friendship is a close personal knowledge of someone. 
So it's one thing for God to teach us which path to take. That's a blessing in and of itself. But it's another for him to reveal himself to us. And this is what friendship entails. For God to make us his friend almost seems unimaginable. But that's exactly what he wants with us. He wants a deep abiding friendship. A couple of years ago, Apple CEO Tim Cook offered to have coffee for an hour with up to two people. The only catch was the people had to cough up $210,000. This is part of an auction. Turns out that the final bid was $610,000 to sit down with Tim Cook for an hour to have coffee. Now, that is not a friendship. This is not the kind of friendship that we're talking about that God has with us. God is not selling you his time. He freely offers his friendship to us. He opens his heart to those who fear him and shares his plans and his purposes. And when we read Psalms 25 and 14, we see that friendship and covenant go hand in hand. Those who fear the Lord are granted into an intimate friendship with him. We're permitted to come into his presence, to partake of his counsel and his advice, and we're allowed free access to him, to have fellowship with him. John 15 and 15 says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So the context of this scripture is that Jesus has had gathered his disciples one last time on the night before his death to prepare them for the next day and what was to come after that. So if this was a holy and an intimate moment, he said, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I've heard from my father. I have made known to you to be called Jesus's servant is a great privilege by itself. But Jesus brings an even greater honor to his disciples and as a result to us as well. He brings us closer and he calls us friends. This verse is tied to Abraham, who was also called a friend of God. We see this in Second Chronicles 20 and 7 and Isaiah 41 verse 8. So when Jesus calls his disciples friends, what he is in effect is calling them true sons of Abraham because Abraham was one of the first true friends of God. So we get a picture of his friendship with Abraham when God shares with him what he plans to do with Sodom. This is in Genesis chapter 18. And this fits along with Jesus's words to, to his disciples when he says, the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. So Jesus did this same thing with Abraham. He drew him close and let him know exactly what he had planned to do. And Abraham was so much of a friend that he was able to bargain with God when it came to the destruction and God holding his hand back. So the fact that we are distinct from servants is a big deal. Slaves are operate out of a mechanical obedience. There is no really principle of love between a master and a slave. And the slave really knows nothing of the purpose or the plans of the master, although he may see some of the actions that are done. But he doesn't always know what his master is trying to accomplish when he orders work to be done. But Jesus says, all the things that I've heard of my father, I have made known to you. 
So he treats them as friends and allows them to share in the common work. He reveals to them the character and the attributes of the father and keeps back nothing from them. Jesus lays everything out on the line when he lets his disciples know what is about to happen. So when it comes to the view of a slave or a servant, the slave is simply an instrument or a tool of the master to get work done. He does it by commandment and not because he has an intimate knowledge of his master. So Jesus takes his disciples into his life, shares intimate details about what is to come, and then step by step teaches them how to be disciples so that they can join in the work that the father has sent him to do. In this, he is revealing his own nature and his purpose and his plan in redeeming mankind. And then again, we see that this is the exact same thing that God did with Abraham. Genesis 18 and 17 says, The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? God is speaking of his friend, Abraham, revealing the secret counsel regarding what he was about to carry out in the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the same principle exists in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, where it says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. So how do we cultivate a friendship with God? Glad you asked. I'm going to share three simple tips on how you can cultivate a deep and abiding friendship with God. Number one, get to know God. Hosea 6 and 3 says, Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. So what do you really know about God? What do you know of his character? Do you know what makes him happy? Do you know what moves him? Even if you've been reading the Bible for a long time, there's still so much more to learn about God. You can never read the Bible once and say, oh, I know all there is to know about God. The knowledge of God runs deep and wide, and we will never get to the end of it. So we may think we know God, but we don't really know him unless we're spending time in his word to understand him. The Bible is such a gift to us because it's through the word that we understand his character. We understand what motivates him, what makes him angry, what pleases him. So we can never know God. We can never have a friendship with God if we aren't in the word constantly. We have to take time to pray and read his word, to hear his heart, to better understand him. Second way to cultivate a friendship with God is through communion. Relationships thrive through conversation. So think about your everyday friendships in real life. How do you sustain them? You sustain them by keeping in touch, by texting, by calling, by getting together over dinner or brunch, over coffee to catch up and see what's going on with that person. So it is the same way with God. We have to communicate with God. And it's not a one-sided communication. It's sharing our heart with him and then giving him space to share his heart with us as well. So there's a constant communication that's going on with God. As we read, receive, and remember God's word, we hear him address us as friends. And then we pray and we thank him and we confess our sins to him and we share our burdens with him. We have to do this throughout the day, not as reporting servants, but as friends. So we're not reporting to him. This is all that I've done. I've checked off all of the to do items. No, we're coming to him as friends, sharing our hearts, our concerns, our pains, everything with him. And then finally, number three, friendship is with God is marked by obedience. How much would change if you knew 
that the one who loves you so deeply is with you constantly. So that means if God is with us constantly, there has to be a constant obedience in our hearts. As God travels this journey along with us and gives us constant companionship, that itself should be one of the greatest deterrents to sin. If our great friend Jesus died for our sins, how can we treat our sins then so lightly? We shouldn't be able to. Our conscience shouldn't allow us to. When Jesus says, you are my friends, if you do what I command you, let's respond like Jonathan did to David. Whatever you say, I will do for you. So the tricky thing about talking about obedience in friendship is that we don't typically think of obedience as one of the characteristics of our earthly friendships. So we have to expand our horizons when we think of friendship with God, because obedience is going to be a hallmark of our relationship with God. Jesus is going to demand obedience from us. This does not mean that our friendship with Jesus is not a real friendship because obedience is one of those components. It simply means that we have a unique friendship with God. It's different than our earthly friendships. And we have to remember that while we enjoy a close communion and an intimate relationship with God, it's built on a deep reverence for him. The Bible says the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. Jesus is not your homeboy. I know a lot of people want to relate to Jesus as, oh, he's the homie. You know, you see those t-shirts, Jesus is my homeboy. But we have to think in terms of having a reverence for God. Remember that he's not just an earthly friend. So we have to imagine that we are making friends with a king because that's exactly who Jesus is. He is the king of all kings. And friendship with God does not mean that we lose our sense of reverence for him. We have to remember his place as well as our place. So as we cultivate our friendship with the Lord, we have to remember that he's a king that we have to reverence but he's a king that we can confide in with all of our hearts, and he's going to confide in us as well. So I pray that as you walk along your journey with the Lord, that you learn to cultivate a friendship with him, learn to spend time with him in his word, learn to share your heart with him as he shares his heart with you, and enjoy all of the benefits and the closeness that this friendship with Jesus brings. That's it for this episode of Unfolding Words this week. I pray that you were blessed by some way. If you want to share, you can reach out to me on my website at unfoldingwords.com. Drop a comment or leave an email, which will be in, in the show notes. If you are enjoying the podcast and it's blessing you, I pray that you would share the episode with your friends. Be sure to check out the show notes for scripture references. I look forward to joining you next week where we will be unfolding more of the word. Until then, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.